Joe, what do you want to do? Want to uh, take a break here? No, I'd like to, if you wouldn't mind staying up here. Uh, are there any questions related to any of those areas? Just raise your hand. Uh, we have some time before our free time, but yeah. And if you could say your name, that'd be great. Yeah, my name's Marie, and do you know Chuck Missler, who oh, talks sure. about I, these things? Yeah, okay. Chuck Missler, yeah. Chuck Missler is uh, really one of the brighter individuals I've ever had a chance to interview, and uh, he has written quite a bit about prophecy as well as cultural issues, and so each year, for many years, he did uh, the Stealing of America conference up in Colorado, and so Chuck Missler, M-I-S-S-L-E-R, would be another place to get some great resources as well. Others? There'll be lots of time tonight because um, we'll be getting into another one of those easy issues, gender identity issues, right? Would there be... Joe I have a picks question. them, doesn't he? Yes. <laughs> Would there be some good books or websites that you might recommend related to bioethical issues? I meant to do that. Thank you very much. For those of you in the medical field, there is the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity, and it is associated with the Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. So it's cbhd.org. C for center, B for bioethics, H for human, and D for dignity. So the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity. And that's associated with Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. Of course, our website has links to all those. So we try to point you in directions where you'll find that. And there are individuals that have been writing about this for some time. Uh, some of them are found at Talbot Seminary or Biola. Some are found at Trinity and other places. So there's some really good resources. Uh, if you, uh, for example, know of a young person that would want to go into the medical field but would like to get a Christian perspective, even in the pre-medical area, one of the outstanding universities is Cedarville University in Ohio. And they, uh, first of all, have a number of people on staff that not only teach the biology part, but also teach some of the ethical part, because we really need to have more Christians in the science fields and the engineering fields and the medical fields. And so if nothing else, I want to encourage those of you that have that kind of background to go there, because we are going to be addressing a lot of very important ethical and moral issues in the 21st century. And so we really need, perhaps more than ever, a Christian perspective. There's never been a time when I think we've needed more Christian perspective on some of these issues and never been a time when Christians have been marginalized in the culture. And oftentimes where we sometimes say, well, we don't want you to go, to medicine, go into science because you're going to study all that evolution and everything. Go, you know, be a Bible teacher or something like that. We need Christians in the scientific field. Looks like we had a question over here. Uh, my name is Henry. Uh, I was reading the news. They had something called this chimera, and they were saying that the government is... Uh, allowing that to happen now. So when you have a chimera, would you treat that person with the same human sort of laws? What do you, how do you deal with that situation? Whoa. <laughs> sure about that. Uh, chimera, first of all, chimera is the Greek word chimera, which was this mythological creature, the head of a lion, the wings of an eagle. And so a chimera, in some respects, is even what I just showed you a minute ago. That bacterium would be a chimera because it has two different pieces of DNA. So we do create a DNA chimeras, and there's some real dangers with that. Because as you just had me talk about, you know, you're treating and curing diseases, but you're also creating new forms of life. Some of these chimeras could end up being the things we really read about in the book of Revelation. Have you ever read the book of Revelation where it talks about these huge locusts coming in? 
Now, most people said, well, what it was is probably, you know, when John sees this, he'd never seen a helicopter, so he said, like giant locusts. What if indeed these chimeras really are created and they're really big honking locusts coming in or something like that? You know, strange creatures that never have been before. But now you're raising a different question. What about a chimera that's a human? And you have two because you have chimeras and cyborgs. I, didn't, I left all this out, as you can imagine, because now we, how much technology is you before you cease to be human? And there's some great science fiction pictures about that. We're still creating the image of God, even if we have other kind of DNA in us. But there are some real dangers of where we're moving in the future. And imagine if indeed you could take your consciousness and put it into a machine. And of course, there's some great science fiction films about that. And this is what the humanists are moving for, what's called transhumanism. They're moving towards a time of singularity where these machines, these computers, are as intelligent, if not more intelligent than us, and we could transfer your um, mental capacities into a machine so that you could, in a sense, live forever as a cyborg or something like that. Of course, that gets into Transformer and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, but, you know, what you are seeing, Joe, is what used to be science fiction just a few years ago. A lot of it's now becoming science fact. And so, if nothing else, we really need to begin to apply a biblical perspective to uh, begin to address all these really complex issues. Hi, my name's Simon, and uh, full disclosure, I work for a medical device company that makes pacemakers and defibrillators. Sure, and yeah. Think about this all the time. Um, so, I guess my question would be, as a biblical mindset says, we, we preserve the sanctity of life, we want to preserve life, we... We believe in inventing new technologies, as you said, that prevent death and extend life. But then you start getting into the complexity of saying, well, what if that technology extends life beyond where nature would have taken its course? And at what point do you turn off the technologies, whatever they may be, whether they're organ-sustaining technologies or devices that make your heart beat or make your brain work, whatever, to eventually say nature has taken its course, we're just preventing the last step from having occurred. Yeah. Simon's got a great question because, and again, I left some of that out on euthanasia, but I do address it in my book, because now medical technology can extend uh, individuals' lives beyond what would have ever existed in the past. And a good example is the first artificial heart was put in Barney Clark. And well, at one point, Barney Clark died, but his artificial heart was still beating. And it just shows you the problem of saying, well, if his heart's still beating, it must be alive. Rigor mortis is setting in, and his heart, his artificial heart is still beating. So you can see at that point, obviously, we have to use, you know, more common sense, kind of biblically informed ideas. And that's why things like an EEG, a flat brainwave activity, or things like that can be the case. Uh, and we do have the ability sometimes to extend life, but at what cost? You know, in some respects, we're extending, you know, pain. We're not, and this is why I think you, of all the ethical issues we're going to talk about this weekend, this is the most difficult, euthanasia. Because on the one hand, we say everybody has uh, value and dignity, and we believe that, we, that life is good. But on the other hand, we also see biblically that we can say that there's a point in which you can say, you know, I no longer need to be alive. You know, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So euthanasia is complex, one, because the technology has blurred the distinctions dramatically, but it's also 
difficult because we have two what seemingly almost are contradictory biblical principles. I think we can resort those. But that's why I say an individual has the right to say, I'm just not going to pursue that particular treatment. I am going to not be hooked up to a respirator and those kinds of things. But then those very difficult choices about when an individual is maybe no longer cognizant of that and you have to make a decision about whether or not you turn that respirator off. And obviously when you say I have to turn off the artificial heart, it's because he's already dead. That was an easier one. But you have to recognize that it gets a little bit gray in there. And I live in the world of gray. Those are the kind of phone calls I get from DTS graduates where we talk it through a little bit and try to resolve some of the questions that are really going to be more and more difficult in the 21st century. J.P. Moreland has a good article. J.P. Morgan, yeah, Mar yeah, yeah, Moreland, yeah. He wrote for uh, Christian Research Institute a pretty technical article defining and sometimes delineating some of those Dis finer distinctions. Yeah. So. And J.P. Moreland, you could find him at Ta Talbot University in Biola, and I would highly recommend any of his books. First met him when he was on Campus Crusades for staff at the University of Vermont. Now he has a Ph.D. and teaches there at Talbot. Any others? Maybe we'll call Just it raise a... your hand. There'll be an opportunity later on for more questions. And, uh, and if you want to write out uh, some Ask Kirby questions that have nothing to do with any of the topics we're here, I'll be glad to see if we can try to get some of those. Stump Kirby. This one over there. Uh, we'll try to do that. They stump me every week. Yeah. <laughs> That's why Joe said he picked these. These are the ones he wanted me to try to answer. Okay. So, I mean, you're saying things like, like turn off the respirator or something, I don't need it, and then I'll just like die like that, right? But then what about, like, some people, they say, like, I'll just stop eating, and then, like, voluntarily stop eating food and stuff. So then where does that fall? Right. And, and again, when a person decides that they'll stop eating or they will no longer drink or whatever, in some respects that gets into a category called suicide, obviously. And so we have some biblical principles about that. When a person decides to harm themselves, then you can make some cases. Are they doing this because they are rationally making a, a good decision? Or is there a compelling interest for the government to step in and prevent them from hurting themselves? You see what the point is? Because in some cases, somebody might do that because they um, are terribly depressed or they're not thinking carefully or mentally, and so there are justification for when government can step in. But at the same time, we also allow people to make choices. I mean, the sad reality is a lot of people commit suicide every single year, and that's a, that, you know, that's a reality. If nothing else, that's all the more reason, I think, justify for us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with individuals, to give them really true hope, instead of uh, being so depressed that they simply say, I've decided to kill myself. And the sad reality is, again, I document this in a book, some of those individuals going to the individuals to get physician-assisted suicide do it not for medical reasons. Uh, I tell a couple of stories. One of this uh, ballet dancer in the Netherlands who got arthritis in her toes and said, there's no longer any reason for me to live because I can no longer dance in the ballet. You know, I mean, it just shows you that sometimes people can become depressed or lose focus, and maybe that's where, again, the, the good news of the gospel and uh, care and Christian compassion can make a difference. Question? So I know that you mentioned euthanasia is one of the most difficult to deal with. Which one of those issues, or if there's a new one, that is the most 
uh, hot or cutting edge at this time in terms of the, you know, it, because it's come about because of the development of technology, you have newest um, ethical issues that need to be dealt with that haven't been. One that I just mentioned in passing on the area of neuroethics is right now you're having, if you go into uh, a bookstore, you will see, especially in the psychology area, a lot that are arguing that now that we've done all these brain studies, there's no evidence for the soul. There's no evidence for an immaterial. In other words, your brain is basically a biological computer. So it isn't so much a medical challenge as it is a theological challenge when you think about this uh, because you have uh, writers and uh, professors at Harvard and uh, UC Berkeley and others making the case that now there really is no evidence of anything other than we're just basically like the animals out here. And so there, uh, as a matter of fact, there's one at University of Chicago right now that says, well, I'm just basically a meat computer. That's, the brain is just a meat computer. And so as a result, what I think is free choice actually is all biologically predetermined. Well, we've had a little fun at his expense because he also tends to be very critical of people that believe in intelligent design. You know, up here in Seattle, you have the Discovery Institute, and he's very critical of that. And so um, one of our staff members, Dr. Ray Bolin, has uh, written and said, well, you know, this is a little unfair because you say that we're all just biologically predetermined, and I believe in intelligent design because of the evidence, but you say that everything I believe is already biologically determined, so how can you be critical of me because I'm just biologically determined to believe in intelligent design? <laughs> well, he didn't like that argument, but I thought it's a good one, you know. And, and, and what you see, Nancy Piercy has written a lot about this as well, that people live in a world that says that everything is biology, that everything is a result of chance and space and time, that there is no um, purpose, there's no God, there's no absolutes, but they can't live that way. And one of the stories they, she tells in one of her books is how this um, particular well-known evolutionist says that I know that my grandchildren are just no different than animals. They're just biological computers. But do I really treat them that way? No, I treat them as if they have value and dignity and they're special and, and because you can't live that way. They have a view of the world that does not correspond with reality. So I think one of the great challenges right now, which I'm seeing is a challenge more to the gospel, is are we just biology? Are we just evolutionary products? Or are we created in God's image? And in particular, do you have a brain or do you have a soul? Do you have a mind and a brain, or just do you have a biology? And I, I think you're going to see that as a really significant challenge here, and I'm sh seeing that show up more and more. The good news is, is that the best evidence shows that indeed what the Scriptures have been teaching for millennia is certainly true. It kind of gets back to our chimeras one and also our medical technology ones over here because, you know, in some cases there are people walking around with a pig valve in their heart. You know, well, that's one thing, but all of a sudden, you know, 
how far do you go? How many artificial uh, things do you put in your body before you become a transformer, you know, a cyborg? How many other animal parts do you put in you before you're not really truly human? And if you think I have an answer for all those questions, I'm not sure I do. But it certainly illustrates, again, why we need to have good, solid Christian thinkers in some of these areas to begin to really think through what we're going to be dealing with in the 21st century. Has that kind of stretched everybody's brain a little bit? You ready to go out and have some fun? Yes. Let's go out and have some fun.